Welcome to the ABR podcast, where some of Australian Book Review's contributors discuss major issues or read their reviews and creative writing. My name's Peter Rose, and I'm the editor of ABR. If you enjoy these podcasts, think about subscribing to the magazine. Those 25 and under can do so for as little as $25 for the online version or $50 for print plus online. Hello, AVR readers and listeners. This is BJ Silcox, and today I'm reading my review of the latest in the Writers on Writers series put out by Black Ink. It's Sean O'Byrne on Helen Garner, and to paraphrase from O'Byrne, kindly and respectfully, it is not good. When I tell people that I'm a critic, they think this must be the dream assignment to be able to tuck right into something dreadful, get the sharp-toed boots in, let loose my inventive invective, how fun. I'm here to tell you that with very few exceptions, it's not fun at all. I agonise over giving bad reviews, I take twice as long to write them, and then I don't tend to sleep the night before they're published. I think about the author, about how it must feel to be the author reading what I've written, and I feel sick. Art making is hard, and art makers deserve to have their work treated with care, dignity and respect. And I'm not interested in wielding some kind of cultural truncheon or landing quippy little punchlines. I don't know a critic who is. The reason I became a critic is because I love stories. Our stories deserve to be fought for and celebrated and shared. But the stories we tell about ourselves also demand interrogation. They demand critique and context. When I read, I'm not marking a book down like some stern schoolmarm with a red pen. I'm searching, I'm hoping for awe. I'm searching for a way to unlock the book so more readers can find their way into it. I'm searching for a way to start a conversation. And so along comes a book like this one, a not very good book. I could leave it at that, tell you all the ways it's terrible. But that's just a kind of score taking, a punching down. And what I've tried to do here, what I always try to do in my negative reviews, is to tell you why it doesn't work. And the answer to that question has very little to do with the author of this book, but the form he's been shoved into. And that form and what it stands for does deserve a bit of pith and vinegar. So as much as I hate writing negative reviews, I think they're vital. Without honesty, criticism is just fancy PR, and without critique, art-making loses the white heat of aspiration. Perhaps I'm protesting too much, and this is just a long-winded excuse for being very publicly mean, but I'll be interested to hear what you think. So here is my review of the Writers on Writers series, Sean O'Byrne on Helen Garner. Oh, how I detest tiny books! Those cutesy little hardbacks that are sold next to the novelty bookmarks and greeting cards. 101 Reasons Why Dogs Slash Cats Are Better Than Cats Slash Dogs. Inspo Quotes for Insta-Feminists. The Pocket Marcus Aurelius for the Stoic On The Go. The Pocket Tarot for the Soothsayer On The Go. The Tao of Something. They are the literary equivalent of supermarket checkout chocolates, sugar fix books, stocking stuffers, gag gifts, op shop cloggers, toilet floor lint collectors. And so it is hard not to be cynical about Black Ink's Writers on Writers series, in which Australian authors extol their homegrown literary heroes. 
The series is produced in dinky, impulse-buying form, a paragraph to a page. We're meant to collect the whole set like literary Pokemon, ten so far and another waiting in the wings. It's shrewd profiteering. Why sell one volume when you can sell a rainbow-hued shelf full? But as the latest instalment finds its way to bookshop countertops, Sean O'Byrne on Helen Garner, I yearn for the adult-sized anthology that could have been. A rowdy love letter to Oslit, rather than a series of parallel venerations. I yearn for the alchemy of conversation. The lure of writers on writers is refractive, tracing the influence of one lauded Aussie writer through the work of another. As a self-confessed junior author, Sean O'Byrne can't rely on reader familiarity. His first book came out in 2020. So he's left with an unenviable task. Not only must he pin the ever-formidable Garner to the page, but he must also make the case for himself as her rhapsodist. Garner is a plum assignment, and there is more than a little writerly envy splashing about. But there is also a protective, almost proprietary expectation. The sense that Garner deserves a well-armed opponent, not an acolyte, a mind to play against, someone who might dare to disagree with her. O'Byrne is not that someone, nor does he pretend to be. I feel like a student who has the sum demonstrated but will never understand how to do it, he writes of Garner's literary presence, her radical honesty. That candour has shapeshifted across Garner's career and O'Byrne sets out to trace it, from the guilelessness of monkey grip to the impotent anguish of Joe Cinque's consolation, from the blundering outrage of the first stone to the solemn ambivalence of this house of grief. But inexplicably, Garner's most generous and self-anchored project, her three-volume diaries, barely warrants a mention. It is a hermetic analysis, bereft of biography, history or socio-cultural context. I'm very conscious, writes O'Byrne, that a lot of what's interesting about Garner has been left out. As he watches Garner's literary self evolve, her watchful eye, O'Byrne feels pressure to cultivate his own. I've never risked as much of my more direct self as Garner, he admits, never worked so open, so exposed. And so O'Byrne offers a kind of real-time experiment. What might his writing be like if he relinquished his disguises? I have done my time in writing workshops, and it is easy too easy, sadly, to imagine O'Byrne's essay as a response to a classroom prompt. How might you apply Garner's radical honesty to your own literary practice? O'Byrne poses a version of that question himself as an invitation to readers. With any luck, as I try this, being honest, he writes, you'll get a chance to think about what you need, what methods you've used to save or protect yourself, how much do you think should be told just as you and how much shouldn't be. Here is Garner recast as an MFA craft seminar. Yet for all his revelatory intent, O'Byrne keeps himself well and truly clenched. The little that he relinquishes feels gauzily generic. A 1980s childhood in the concreted and tan-barked outer suburbs of Melbourne with a pretty heavy load of bloke over me. A family who were different from me and who more or less demanded I'd be like them and Garner's work arriving and offering a kind of wild solace 
permission to keep as much individual self as you can. It's a thin version of the story most every bookish Aussie kid has to tell. O'Byrne knows he's withholding. I haven't given you one specific incident telling us me about my family, my dad, my mum. But he decides ultimately that Garner's gut-spilling gambit is not for him. His limp moral, all literary personas are fraught. One quiet anecdote that does slip through is O'Byrne's schoolyard penchant for impersonation, a tendency that won him no admirers. A strange grating kind of impersonation emerges in these pages too, as O'Byrne often speaks as and for Garner, as if he were animating the voice inside her head, presenting his analysis as her thoughts. Garner is the last author alive to need a spokesperson, and it's a grotesque irony to ventriloquise a woman just as you laud her for saying exactly what she means. O'Byrne, meanwhile, gets lost in the bowels of his sentences. It feels cruel to lay it all out. The ceaseless emphasis, the punctuation shrapnel, the evasive, sauntering chatter. Cruel to subject this earnest craft experiment to the full force of critical scrutiny. But that's the price the authors and writers on writers pay when they're published as standalone volumes and at that strange gift-booked nether length. Most of the contributions to writers on writers have been ungainly, unsatisfying creatures, not quite memoirs and not quite primers. They're too knowing for new readers and too cursory for fans, pitched to everyone and satisfying to none. O'Byrne's Garner essay may be the weakest of this nebulous series, but it's hard not to feel as if he's been set up to fail. Thanks for listening to the ABR podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing to ABR? Subscriptions start from just $10 per month for digital. Visit our website for more information. We'd like to thank Jack Khalil and Clancy Balin, who edit the podcast as well as our contributors who take the time to read their articles and creative writing. And if you enjoy listening to the ABR podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.